How does it feel to be at church on Saturday night, Sister Janet? It's Friday night service on Saturday. It's like Taco Tuesday on Thursday. It's just, <laughs> but it's pretty cool to be in the house of the Lord, no matter when it is. Amen. Tacos are good anytime, and church is good any night of the week. Amen. Tonight, a little extra sour cream, a little extra spice in the message. Praise God. Amen. Uh, so I think you know where we're going tonight, uh, possibly, um, because this is part four of Ordinary People. Everybody point at themselves, say, I'm an ordinary people. I'm an ordinary people. Praise God. All right. You're going to love this, but I gave myself a timer. <clears throat> uh, not that it matters. It's just on my screen, and it's going to count down. And then I just looked at it, and it was at negative 25, which means that it had been playing for quite a while. Praise God. Uh, being mindful of everybody's Saturday evening. and But I, I do feel like... Uh, we're going to learn some really great stuff tonight from the Word of God, and I, that's that's why I enjoy um, digging into the Word of God. Because every time we do, like our Bible study the other day, good, there was some, just some good stuff. It was really short. We didn't have a whole lot of scriptures to read, um, but it was a great, great Bible study about the beginning of the church. It was the the day of Pentecost, which was a great. Great lesson, enjoyed all of those scriptures, and even the stuff that we've read a million times, there's always something that jumps out at you um, and is fresh and new, um, and that's why I love the Word of God. It, didn't, it wasn't written a long time ago for a people a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It was written for you and I and is very relevant to today and the way that we live. It is not an old book. It is a book that is alive and well, and uh, we want it to be living in our hearts. Praise God. Amen. So tonight we continue our series. Okay, so that's Andrew. And James, one of the thun sons of thunder. Say that ten times. The thunder. Thun thunder. The sons of thunder. So uh, he was the one that uh, wanted to call fire down from heaven. They didn't accept us. They didn't accept the gospel. Let's destroy them with fire from heaven. I know you can do this. Kind of indicated uh, that, he, that he fully understood that Jesus was God and very capable of doing that, right? But <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, am I tripping over something? Oh, no, that paper fell down off my piano. All right. So uh, let's see here. Um, finding ourselves in each one of these. Uh, um, our text, of course, is Acts 4.13. Uh, this was a comment made by the religious elite. Those people that should have known better. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. And out of all of this, 
this entire series, which could go on forever if we wanted it to, because the Bible is full of ordinary people, even though we are just looking at the disciples. The most important aspect that they saw and recognized in their lives was that they had been with Jesus. So no matter what characteristic, no matter what person, no matter what disciple we may identify with, or uh, I'm, more like, I'm more like Peter, more like Andrew, more like James, more like John, it, the most important part is that when people see you, when people interact with you, when people talk with you, that they see that you've been with Jesus. Have I prayed this morning? Am I being the light that I should be? Or am I being a little dim today? <laughs> Yesterday, I don't think I would have been a good witness. <clears throat> That's why I was shut in with God in a secret place <laughs> and napped most of the day. Praise God. But I'm feeling much better. Obviously, I don't have my full strength back because song service wiped me out. Praise God. But I'm getting there. I'm getting there. With God's help, we're going to get through this tonight. Amen. So, ordinary. What is ordinary? Ordinary is with no special or distinctive features. Normal. I am normal. Don't give me that look, Sister Janet. <laughs> I'm normal. Ordinary. Just ordinary. Um, it was pointed out by the well-educated religious elite that Peter and John were ordinary people with no special training. They all happened to notice that they were with Jesus. That was a big characteristic. When people look at me, the one thing that I want above everything else, I don't want them to see, oh, you pastor Northlight. Oh, you work in the oil field. Oh, you're a, a father of one and, uh, and you live in this. The, like the things that people would normally say about you. The first thing that I would like for people to say about me is that I've got a relationship with Jesus. And that takes time, and that takes effort, because not everybody knows you on that level, but that's what needs to be portrayed in our lives. And that's, that is a, a, a lifelong goal. That, isn't, that may not happen next Thursday at 2 p.m. That, that, that may not happen. Um, but when, I, when people see me, um, I thought it was really cool. When we first got to town, we did a, a concert at the, um, at the park, and a lady walked up. Uh, to me, which I'm still connected with. She's since moved out of state. Um, but a lady walked up and she said, I can tell that, that you love Jesus. And that was like the biggest compliment that I could ever have received. Not, your hair is awesome today. Or that was the most amazing music or piano playing that I've ever heard in my life. No, none of that. She came up she said, I can tell that you love Jesus. That, that, that was huge for me. Talk about a good shot in the arm. No pun intended, because that last shot hurt. Um, but a, a shot in the arm just saying, you know what? You're going to be a light in the city. It's, it, I'm with you. And, and, and if people can just see that I'm with you, um, then th everything's going to be all right. Okay? So that's what I want most of all. So tonight, let's look at, oops, not that, this. Part four in our series, we're going to look at John, the brother of James, the son of Zebedee, 
one of the sons of thunder, James and John, right? Jesus walks up to them. They drop their nets, leaving their father, follow Jesus, right? James and John. John was part of that inner circle. And according to Scripture, he was loved by Jesus. Does that mean that the other disciples were not loved by Jesus? When we see John or refer to John, he, we refer to him as the beloved, right? The beloved. And we're like, it's somewhere along the line, and we'll go through all this, but somewhere along the line, John changed from a son of thunder to a disciple and an apostle of love. Somebody that, we're going to get into it. Don't get, don't get ahead of me. <laughs> All right, John 13, 23. This is John. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. And a lot of times we view John as the beloved. Somebody that liked to get close to Jesus. I want to hear every word. Even if it, if it means invading his personal space. Getting inside his bubble. Because I want to know everything that he is trying to say to me. But I think that oversimplifies this son of thunder. As with all the disciples, John was a man with a past, a man who struggled with his humanity. Anybody been there? Anybody there today? One who was forever changed because of his relationship with Jesus. You know, John was right there, nodding his head in agreement when James was calling down fire from heaven, he's like, yeah, do it, what James said. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Uh, can you just picture them as brothers for once? I mean, if there was something destructive and there was going to be fire coming down from heaven, these two brothers who worked together, they lived together, they did everything together, you got to think that they were in this calling fire down from heaven together. Absolutely. Yeah, what he said, let's bring it down. Let's destroy this town. Hmm. And then John also, the beloved, was also right in the middle of the who's going to be the greatest debate. Well, who's going to sit next to you in heaven? Who's going who's gonna to be the greatest? Jesus shut that down pretty quick, right? They even got their mother involved, <laughs> which, yeah, when mama gets involved, it's serious. But they wanted to know who's going to be the greatest. This is John, the beloved, right? So very human, looking, jockeying for position, um, uh, understanding that he was with God Almighty who was capable of bringing down fire from heaven. 
so he understood who he was, but he had a totally wrong perspective on the power that he was walking next to, right? John, the beloved, Jesus loved him. John's life was a long one, which cannot be said for all of the other disciples. So John outlived all other apostles. Who was the first to go? No. James was the first to go. Herod, yeah. His brother was the very first to go. Herod killed him with the sword. Um, and so John, out, he, he lived that experience. His brother being killed for the gospel. He outlived that. Outlived all the other apostles. Um, which put him in a very unique leadership position in the early church as it expanded into the known world. John lived with the pain of his older brother being killed. And then as others were martyred for their belief. But he held on to the hope. He held on to the message. He held on to his boldness that he received on the day of Pentecost. And aside from Luke and Paul, John wrote more of the New Testament than any other writer. John's writings emphasized love. And that's why it's so unique if you look at his past and how he matured and how he changed. Look at his writings from the gospel where he's a son of thunder calling down fire from heaven and jockeying for position as an immature follower of Christ to his writings. He emphasized love. Christ's love for the church our love for God, and our love for one another. I didn't see love for one another when he wanted to destroy the entire town <laughs> because they couldn't stay there. This is the growth of John. One of the most important things we find uh, that we need to learn from John's life was that this message of life... Um, message and life of love was not natural that that's we try in our own selves sometimes we, we read scripture and we try to live up to certain things certain aspects of scripture within our own abilities within our own strengths well i've got a natural ability for hospitality and so in that natural ability i can shine in kind of um, uh, loving people and, and showing love towards people. N not everybody has that. That doesn't mean that everybody can't do that. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. God shines best in our weakness. And so um, uh, John was not the lover of everybody. That was a weakness of his. Yet somehow, as he grew closer to God in his relationship with Jesus Christ, his message changed from calling down fire to destroy to a message of love 
Christ's love for the church, our love for God, and our love for one another. Love was a quality that he learned from spending time with Jesus. It was beyond just a love that we would have for family, a love that we would have for our child. This was a godly love for everyone, for every sinner, for every saint, every church member, every other uh, apostle or every other leader or every other, uh, even those that, that came down on them, those that were trying to destroy the church. There was a love that he learned this quality from uh, Jesus Christ, spending time with him, and then the power to make it happen happened on the day of Pentecost when he was filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues. So we can't just do this on our own. I want to be a good Christian and just make the choice that I'm going to be a good Christian, and then I'm going to live every day and be a good Christian, and then the first little thing that comes up in our life, guess what? When we're doing it on our own power, trying to do it in our own strength, we're going to get tired some days. Yesterday was not a good Christian day for me. Right? Yesterday was not a good day for me to go witness. But if somebody called and needed ministering to over the phone, God would have given me the strength to say the right words and to pray and find the right scriptures to minister to that need. That would not have been in my natural self yesterday. Because we have bad days. We have bad weeks. We have bad months. We have 2020. We have bad years. So how do we survive? How do we excel? God's Spirit. The infilling of His Spirit. God living on the inside. He wrote it on our hearts, right? It's not the law of the Old Testament written on stone, but He was going to write it on our hearts. And that way we can, through His power, His strength, His Spirit, live this Christian life. I admire people that are good Christian folks that have not yet come to the fullness of truth that somehow, that somehow, you just look at them, they're good people. They're good people. I, I admire that because that takes a lot of strength to do that. I, I, I'm sorry, but I'm not, I'm not that good of a Christian to do this without God's help. <laughs> sorry. I need him working in my life every single day. Praise God. That's why I, I, I have to get up and the first fruits and, and, and I've got to get into the word and I've got to spend some time in prayer. And even if it's God, help me today not to say horrible things because I'm in a bad mood. God, help, help me control this, this whatever, uh, th this attitude or this spirit that, that I, I, I just can't seem to get a handle on today. God, help me. Give me strength. Give me compassion for those around me. Anybody else an ordinary person? Yeah. An ordinary person that God can use in a mighty way to do extraordinary things. There was a stark contrast between the young disciple and the aged apostle. 
And sometimes we come into this and we read about John through the epistles. And we forget all about John the disciple. Where he came from. How he acted. His approach to life. We're like, we'll never get there. Live the life of John, and you'll get there. John stayed close to Jesus. John found himself at an altar in an upper room and was filled with the Holy Ghost. And John continued to preach with boldness for his entire life. And somehow managed to not get killed for the gospel. Outlived all the others. Spent a lot of time in prison. Spent a lot of time alone. Saw a lot of visions. Had some amazing encounters with God. But that's not the young disciple. We start out as the young disciple following Christ. And when we go through the experiences that John went through, yet we remain close to Jesus, we will grow like John grew. We will learn to love like Jesus loved and give our lives for the cause of Christ. Love did not diminish John's passion for truth. So the characteristics of John were still very much active in his life. He was still son of thunder, right? So it didn't diminish John's passion for truth. But it gave him the balance to fulfill the Great Commission. And this is the one thing that I want you to really see in John's life. Balance. Balance is something that we have to work on every single day. Yesterday, my life was out of balance. Health reasons would not let me get out of bed. and So I was sore and slightly cranky and coffee did not seem appealing whoa i just said that out loud coffee did not seem appealing um yesterday and so uh, my life was not in balance and i had to pray that god would help me to not be irritable or cranky or to to spout off or say something that is not nice or kind so balance is something that we have to work on every day it is the sign of a mature christian Uh oh what's that say yesterday i wasn't very mature it's a good thing this is a process it's a good thing that when the bible talks about perfect he's not talking about perfect he's talking about the process of maturity the process of maturity and so every day, guess what? I get to learn, and I get to grow, and I get to mature as a Christian. 
but I've got to work on it every single day. If you move out, everybody out of, uh, let's say, the biggest, I don't know, Los Angeles, if everybody moved out, how long would it take for that city to return back to its natural state of um, trees and lizards and, and uh, I don't know, and, and decay and everything would fall apart if we weren't maintaining it, if, if, if God called everybody from L.A. out to go to heaven? wouldn't take long. It wouldn't take long for the earth to kind of reclaim itself and everything to grow up. So how long does it take as a Christian to skip morning prayer, to skip prayer when I get up? Because some of us work shift work. So if I get up at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, guess what? That's my morning prayer, right? Um, The first thing I do, uh, how long does it take before the enemy starts gaining ground in our life? If I start feeding the wrong thing in my life, if I spend more time with entertainment and hobbies than I do spending in the Word or spending in prayer or spending in ministry or Bible studies, how long does it take for my life to get overgrown with weeds? Not long. They honestly, they're right under the surface. They're right under the surface, waiting for the first little rain, and up they sprout. Nothing grows faster than a weed. We have to balance our family, our ministry, church, our leisure, our hobbies. We have to balance media, our career, practically everything else in life, right? Life is about balance. We only have so much of ourselves to go around. And our priorities are usually what direct us. Some people are very career-oriented. And so everything that they do is about advancing in their career. Some of that is good. But out of balance, it's bad. Because guess who suffers? Family, church, relationships, leisure time, right? If all you think about is work. If all you think about is reading the Bible. Is that balanced? (laughs) It's not a trick question. (laughs) I wish that... Um, I could sit around and just read the Bible and pray and, and that my family would just raise itself and, and uh, my, my house, my yard would just mow itself and, and all these things. And I didn't have to have some kind of an income and, and, and everything just kind of took care of itself. And all I, could, all I would have to do is read the Bible. That's, that's not balance. That's not balance. If all I did was run around uh, and, and, and pray and, and, and speak in tongues all the time. That's not balanced. That's not balanced. Uh, what's the old saying? You're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Right? You've got to have a there you are attitude and, and see others and have them in your priorities as well. That's balance. So John, as a young disciple, was full of zeal. He was full of passion. He was full of desire for truth. 
but he was out of balance. He showed little compassion or love for those who were not on board with what Jesus was teaching. It's like, those guys are teaching what you're teaching, but they're not following you, so I don't like them. But as he matured, his passion for truth was tempered with love for people. Passion for truth, very important. It's very important for us to have a passion for truth. We must love the truth. Buy the truth and sell it not. Right? Truth is very important. But if we go out there and smack people on the heads like whack-a-mole with truth, and we don't love them, it's not going to do any good. We must balance truth and love. John had a very black and white personality. He always draws a clear line and leaves no room for gray areas. In his writings, he contrasts light versus darkness. Not twilight and dawn, but light and dark. Life and death. These are themes throughout his writing. The kingdom of God versus the kingdom of the devil. The children of God versus the children of Satan. Righteous versus wicked. Receiving Christ versus rejecting Christ. Fruit versus fruitlessness. Obedience versus disobedience. And love versus hatred. The contrast is clear. But John learned that truth without love can make us judgmental and harsh and lack compassion. Truth without love is brutal. Why else would the Bible say, but speaking the truth in love? Love without truth has no character and it's filled with hypocrisy. If everybody just loves, love, 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 right? There's got to be a backbone in love. If we love our children without disciplining our children, they're going to grow up to be wild banshees. There has to be a backbone in love. That backbone is truth. Jesus can take an ordinary person, no matter their personality, their strengths, their weaknesses, and mold them into a perfect balance of truth and love. Ephesians 4, 14 and 15. I'll throw that up there. Ephesians 4, 14 and 15. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. God, help us to grow up.
Help us to grow up. We need to hear the truth in love that we may grow up in him. Know the truth. Do not be swayed by every wind of doctrine. Believe me, there is every wind of doctrine out there. Pick a verse, create a church. Make a cool website, build a building. They're, they're out there, every, <laughs> every corner, every wind of doctrine. Be passionate about truth. Be passionate about truth. Don't let me get out of the word. Step on my toes. Say, hey, pastor, I didn't understand what you said the other night because it didn't sound like truth to me. It sounded a little crazy. <laughs> Don't make me call Brother Parrish on you, right? <clears throat> I've got elders over me <laughs> that will keep me in line. Praise God. Uh, I want Jesus to keep me in line before they have to keep me in line. Praise God. Jesus is a lot nicer. Praise God. We love you, Brother Parrish. Um. But I don't want to be swayed by every wind of doctrine, the next fad, the next cool thing. I need to be passionate about truth. I need to find it in the Word of God. I need to dig into the Word of God. Find truth. Buy it. Sell it not. Do not waver from truth, but it must be balanced with love. Jesus Christ is the perfect example of truth and love. Says he loved John. Jesus also said that he was the truth. He was the perfect example of truth and love. And so, in our journey, just like John, we have to strive to be like Jesus. So, What is your motivation to share the truth? Do you want to be right? Because truth is pretty absolute, right? Do you want to be right? Or the flip side of that is, do you love the lost enough to share the truth of the gospel? Do you love the lost soul enough to share the truth in love. What's your motivation for sharing truth? God saved a wretched sinner like me. Showed grace and mercy and a whole lot of long suffering for somebody like me. What does long-suffering mean? Suffering long time. <laughs> I think that's the Greek version. Um, long-suffering. He loved me. He loved me enough to share truth with me. In His Word, through preaching, growing up, I'm so blessed and honored to grow up under the pews and on the pews and on top of the pews and behind the pews and all over the pews and wherever else I could find to play. But the Word of God was being sown in my heart. 
I always said, I don't know why I still go to church, because every time I went to church, I got a beating when I got home. I did. I got in trouble every time I went to church. Um, my dad would say, don't believe that, but it was true. That's my memory of childhood, was going to church, coming home, getting a beating, because I did something. I either took noisy toys or I, whatever, I was playing with somebody or talking during all the quiet moments. Uh, I didn't have enough sense to not talk when it was, you know, loud around me. I'd wait till the perfect moment and then I would do my thing. I love Sheldon. Uh, he is, he is, he is me as a child. Um, I love it. Uh, <laughs> so there's hope. Praise God. There's hope. Um, cause he could be old and crazy just like me someday. Praise God. What is your motivation to share the truth? We need to seek our hearts and, and, and dig deep and see. It's not about, um, it's not about beating everybody up or, or, or trying to get everybody uh, convicted about, about the way that they're living. A lot of people already realize they're living in sin. A lot of people already realize that they're hurting. Their life is already a mess and then going and telling them that their life is a mess is probably not helping them at all. But there is a hope that we can share. There is a truth that we can share. There is love that we can share. And it, that, that can be done in acts of kindness. That can be done with a smile, a kind word, a helping hand, um, and giving opportunity to share our life with them. And our, our goal is taking sinners and making them friends and making friends disciples. Amen? That is our goal. People are already hurting. Truth can destroy them without love. We must take John's uh, example that he learned directly from the Master. I need to balance truth and love. So, John, he was loved, he learned love, and he loved people. So, John <clears throat> learned to live the first and great commandment that Jesus declared in Matthew 22, 37, and 39. Matthew 22, 37 and 39, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. When we think of John, we think of the disciple that had his head right here. I want to be close. I want to hear everything you say. I want to know, almost symbolic of, I want to know your heartbeat. What makes you tick? I want to know everything there is to know about you. And then... The second part of that is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. John, we don't want to call down fire from heaven. You don't know what spirit you're of right now. You need to learn to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you want to call fire down on yourself, get after it. <clears throat> but that's not what Jesus was about. John referred to his readers, and this is where we see the big, massive change in John's life. It wasn't about those people. It wasn't about uh, the horrible uh, Samaritans that 
that he didn't like or it wasn't about people trying to teach truth that weren't disciples of Jesus. It wasn't about any of that. Now John is referring to his readers as something precious to him. He refers to his readers as little children or beloved. It was an endearing term now. So all that he spoke to were his beloved. He loved them as Christ had loved him. He talked with tenderness and compassion as he shared truth. John learned to balance the ambition of his youth with humility in his leadership. John, I don't think if John had thought about it, would have thought that he was going to be the one that was the last surviving apostle. He probably wouldn't have thought that he would have been a leader in the growing church. But his lot in life was just that. Probably didn't think that he would be able to write all the books that he wrote and have all the experiences that he had, all of the visions and the, the closeness that he had with, with God. But had that happened when he was a young man saying, where am I going to sit? What, what throne is mine and where is it going to be placed next to yours? Now we see a man that has balanced ambition with humility in his leadership as he calls those that he writes to as his beloved. He also learned to balance suffering and glory. John was able to live long enough to suffer more than all the others. But he realized that all glory belongs to God. And one day, I'll just get to be with him again. Praise God. Jesus taught that if anyone comes after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. We talked about taking up your cross here not too long ago. About how it's not necessarily the burden of doing things or doing this Christian life or the things that come against us in our life. A lot of people will claim that as the cross that they bear. The cross that we bear is lost souls. The cross was all about salvation. The cross was about him shedding his blood for the lost so that the lost could be saved. Us taking up our cross is not having a, a, a horrible day yet still managing to have a smile on our face. That's not the cross that we bear. That's life. The cross that we bear are the lost that are around us that need to hear the truth in love from our lips and from our life. John learned to be humble. He learned to be a loving servant. So much so that Jesus put his mother, Mary, in his care. 
That's a big deal. When you have aging parents and you're, you're thinking about how, how all of this future stuff is going to play out and, 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 and believe me, even if you've gone through it, you just don't know how it all kind of pans out because no matter what you do, it's tough. It's tough choices. Jesus knew. Jesus knew what his outcome was going to be. But he looked at a young man who still had a lot of kinks to work out, who still had a lot of that passion and still was a son of thunder, had a lot of growing to do, but Jesus saw something in John that he said, I, I, I want to put my mom in your care. And there's uh, historians that would write that John stayed right there um, and had his ministry from there so that he could care for Mary uh, until um, she had passed away uh, before moving on from there. But uh, the point is Jesus loved him and trusted John, who was still growing. Guess what? Uh, I'm still growing, and you're still growing. Um, and he wants to trust us with things, ministry, with uh, presenting the word, with a Bible study, with connecting with somebody, with making a disciple. He's trusting us to continue his kingdom. I want him to see John in me sometimes. <laughs> I want him to see Jesus in me, of course. But some of the characteristics of John are great. I, I, I want to have that passion, but I want it to be tempered with love. So today, in my time of the night, by the way, just, just so you know, <clears throat> I'm not going to tell you how long it's over, but it's all good. Today, as we stand, we commit ourselves to know and live your truth. This is our prayer, God. Right now, God, I commit to know and to live your truth. God, today, right now, no matter what else is going on in my life, no matter where my brain might be or where my heart might be, no matter what's going on, right now the most important thing is that I commit to know truth and to live truth. Know truth and live truth. And share it with the love that only you can give. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, I make that commitment to you tonight. Knowing that it is not by might or not by my power or nothing. It's it's by your spirit.
cannot do this on my own. Cannot do this within my own strength, my own might. I need your spirit. I need your strength. I need your love to shine through me. But God, I commit that I will allow your love to shine through me. God, I will trust you when you guide me and you speak to me and you tell me to go and you tell me to speak and you tell me to connect with that person. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to share your truth in love. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, have your way in my life, I pray. Hallelujah. 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 And this song just seems to be the theme, so we're going to just keep on singing it till we get tired of finding another one. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, take my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. You can use anything, Lord, you can use me. You can anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, take my feet, touch my heart, Lord. 